Today I'm going, to, I'm going to do something a little bit different than what I've been doing for the last five or six weeks through this time. I want to, uh, I've been doing more preaching than I have teaching, but today I just feel like uh, I want to do a little bit of teaching this morning. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about knowing God, living connected, and making a difference. And today is kind of in the knowing God uh, category. <clears throat> um, you know, God's Word is full of great promises. And, and we've used a number of those throughout this time, and we'll continue to do that as we go through this season. But there's one promise in God's Word that is probably one of the most misunderstood and misinterpreted. And, and that's a passage that we see on, uh, people have it hanging on their walls, we see it on bumper stickers, we see it on, uh, you know, um, all over the place. And, and, and uh, it's Romans 8.28. It says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Um, the King James Version says that all things work together for good. And we typically quote it that way, that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And the verse is meant, biblically the verse is meant to bring comfort in times of difficulty. But because it's misused and even misquoted and quoted at inopportune times, uh, it can actually provoke anger and resentment to the person going through crisis. In other words, <clears throat> the, the thing that we should not do is someone is, is, is going through uh, the death of a loved one or someone close to them, the first thing we should not do as Christians is go, well, God works all things for the good. That, that's, that is a harsh uh, statement taking this verse completely out of context. And, and today, and I, you know, I know a lot of times I, I tend to deal with subjects that... that um, I get a lot of emails from at times, and uh, so, and it's probably going to be one of those this morning, but I want you to understand this, that there are things in the Bible that if you take it stand alone, you're going to mess it up, and this is one of those verses that we put on our walls, that we put all over the place, and we throw it out flippantly, but we don't really understand what the verse, the context of the verse is. And this morning, I want to kind of teach through this, and I'm going to give you four things that this promise represents this morning, uh, and we're going to kind of go through it here in just a second. <clears throat> but when you're going through a difficult time, maybe some of you have lost your job, and I know some of you have. Maybe your income uh, stream has dried up. Maybe you're, you're going through, all, maybe someone close to you has passed away during this season, whether from COVID-19 or, or some other situation. I, I know that, that I've done memorial services during this time, and, I, and I've talked to people that have lost loved ones during this time, and, 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 and so I know that it's very real. I know people are going through very difficult seasons, and that we're in one right now. And so when you just throw this out, well, God works all things for our good. We're taking this verse out of context. When, you, when we talk about the good, sometimes in the situation that you're in, you cannot see the good in that situation because there is no good in that situation. And if we're just flippantly using Bible verses out there in hopes that it will cheer somebody up, sometimes it does damage that, that doesn't need to be done in those, in those scenarios. Sometimes you cannot see the good in a situation because there is no good in a situation. This verse, I said it before, I'll say it again. This verse was never meant to stand alone. So let's unpack it, and I'll, I hope you'll see, I think you'll see what I'm talking about today. So here's the four things that we're talking about that, this, that are present in this promise that we need to remember as we go through times of crisis and difficulty. The first one is this, God hasn't left us in the dark. God hasn't left us in the dark. The verse begins with, and we know. 
And we know, Paul begins this verse with a proclamation of the promises of this passage or something. This is what we know to be true. What is it that we know to be true? In all things, God is working. Now, as, as I've spent about three weeks on this and just really doing a lot of study on it, and, and I know that some of you are, are very uh, keen on your King James Version Bible, and I'm, I'm not dissing the King James Version Bible. All translations have their, their problems, and, and I get it. But the KJV is, is not accurate in this translation because it says, we know that all things work together for good. <clears throat> it actually is this when you start looking at it in its original intention or in, in its original text. In all things, God is working. That's what we know. That's what we know. God is saying to us in this passage, he hasn't left us in the dark. What do we know? I want God, God wants you and I to know and be firm in this, that right now in your life, in your crisis, I am at work. In all things means in all things. The second thing in this promise is this, that it's God's job to work it out for our good at some point. It's God's job to make everything work. It's not our job. It's not my job. It's not your job. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We can't make all things work together for the good. Sometimes we can't see the good because there's no good in that situation. It doesn't matter how much we worry about the outcome. It doesn't change anything. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Which of you by worrying can add a single inch to your stature or a centimeter to your stature? You can't, you can't grow taller by worrying. You can't grow stronger by worrying. And I think so much of our anxiety and worry comes from not understanding what the good is that God works out for those who love him. This is where the misunderstanding takes place. We think people are going to feel better when we go, God works all things for our good. You know, I know this is a tough time, but God's going to work this for your good. God's going to work. You don't want to hear that in that moment because there's nothing good about the situation. You can't see any good. You can't discern any good because there is no good. So what is he talking about when he says that God is working in all things to bring good to us? What is the good? All right, here's some things you need to think about this morning. The good doesn't necessarily mean a life of ease. It doesn't mean an understanding of the situation. It doesn't mean that you're going to feel better. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a new job right away. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a supernatural healing right away. It doesn't mean that restoration of lost things is going to happen. It doesn't mean that an overflow of money is going to all of a sudden just start coming into your life or any material or even tangible thing. So what is the good? What is the good? The good that God is working in that situation is a spiritual good. And here's where I, here's where I want you to understand this. Remember I said this verse, Romans 8.28 cannot stand by itself. Because if we let it stand by itself, we miss the understanding and the interpretation of the text. Verse 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here we go. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Did you notice the good things that God is bringing and working in everybody's life through times of difficulty? The first thing, the first part of good is this, conformity to the image of the Son. Above everything else in this life, God wants you and I to be like Jesus. Above everything else, God wants you and I to be like Jesus. Paul constantly urged people to be like Christ, to conform to the image of the Son. He said this in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Ephesians 5, the first two verses, follow God's example. Live as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved and gave himself for us. Philippians 2, Paul said this, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So the suffering that you and I go through, the difficult times that we go through, the crisis that we face in our life are used by the Father to mold us into the image of the Son. So one of the good things that God is bringing and working in all of our situations is to conform us to the image of Jesus so that we can look at the sufferings and we can get to a place that Jesus got in Gethsemane and go, I don't want to go through this. I hate this season. I don't like what's happening. But you know what, Father? It's not what I want. It's what you want for me. And I want to be like Jesus. And so we embrace that time as it is the will of the Father that we are where we are. It's not, he didn't bring it into our life, but he is going to use that situation because he's working in it. And he wants us to conform to the image of the Son. The second thing that we see in here, the second part of the good is our glorification. Now, the glorification piece is not something that happens in present day. As a matter of fact, we, we, we need to walk our, to, to live our lives and walk out our, our faith the same way Jesus did in humility. So it's not about being glorified on this side. In the context of this verse, it seems that the good is the glorification that we're all going to see one day when we go to heaven, when we go live with Jesus, when we go to heaven to be with our Father. We would say that God is working in all things so that we can go to heaven someday, that we can live with him. Colossians 3, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 1 Peter 4, 13 and 14. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And I love this one, Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, here it is, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The good that God is working in us in situations of difficulty and crisis and tragedy is this, that we are conformed to the image of the Son God's working in us by the Holy Spirit to bring this about and also that we will ultimately be glorified with him that our lowly bodies will be turned into his like a glorious body. So in other words, he predestined you to be conformed into the image of the Son. He called you to be his child. He justified you by the blood of Jesus Christ and he will glorify you when he takes you to himself in heaven. It sounds awfully like this. Being confident of this one thing 
that he who began a good work in you will be able to complete it. That's what he's saying. In all things, God is working for you, in you, through you, around you, to bring about good things for you, to conform you to the image of the Son, to glorify you in heaven. In other words, to complete your salvation experience. It's like this. I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am being saved by the sanctifying process of the Holy Spirit, and I will be saved when I go to heaven someday. All of this suffering, all of the negative that we go through, all of these things that were there is the culmination of the completion of our salvation experience. The good, back to that. Sometimes you can't see the good in a situation because there's no good in that situation. The good is what God brings into your life as you endure through it. In this life, it's conformity to the image of the Son, and in the future, it's glorification in heaven with him. And with this proper framework about the passage, it opens everything up to us so that we understand what's going on and we'll be less likely to use it inappropriately or in error when we're talking to people about this. So what's our role in it? Our role is to love God. It's God's job to work it out. It's our job to love him. Love God. He'll work to see that all things in your life works together for the conforming you to the image of the Son to your ultimate glorification in heaven. And we shouldn't be surprised that God simply just wants us to love him. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So what's the test of that love? Can we love God enough that we trust him completely with our lives in the most terrible moments that we face? Can we trust him with the crisis that come into our lives? Where else can we go? In John chapter 6, you know, Jesus is telling them what's going to be happening and, and, and people had left Jesus and, and he looked and he said, will you also leave me? And, and Peter said this, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So here's this morning, here's the deal. Where are we going to go to find this? The only person that has the words of eternal life, the only person that can secure us in the palm of his hand, the only person that can help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ is God himself through the, Spirit of the, uh, the Holy Spirit of God drawing us to Jesus. The words of eternal life are the words of Jesus Christ. The God who sustained and created the universe, who has proven himself to be a trustworthy friend, stands by you and I, and he's willing to work all things, work in all things for us. And all we have to do is love him and trust him. I talked last week about there's a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven, and here is the deal. He reigns, and you and I can trust him with the situations of our life. The fourth piece of this promise is this. We are part of God's plan. We are part of God's plan. But God's always used crisis to draw people to himself. When all this first started, there was a lot of things floating around out there. And, and it happens every time that we have, we have crisis on a, on a national level, an international level. Um, you know, and and I, would have been, I wasn't alive, but I would imagine that when, when uh, Pearl Harbor took place in 1941... 
that people were looking at it, oh, this is God's judgment on a nation and all this kind of stuff. People looking at, you know, Hurricane Katrina was God's judgment and, and 9-11 was God's judgment and, and COVID-19 is God's judgment. No, it's not God's judgment. None of these things are God's judgment. If you think that this morning, then your understanding of biblical scripture is just skewed and especially the nature of God. You see, one thing that I've learned all these years in looking, in looking at the way God works and the way God does things in the Bible, when you go back and you look where God's judgment was rained down, God's judgment is very, very clear. There's no collateral damage with God's judgment. There's no collateral damage with God's judgment. When the AIDS virus hit, hit the scene in, in, uh, in the early, late 70s, early 80s and all this, and the people, oh, this is God's judgment on the homosexual community. What a ridiculous statement to make because people that had nothing to do with that lifestyle were dying. Babies were dying. God's judgment doesn't have collateral damage, folks. We are part of God's plan, yes. And what is happening, if you go back up in Romans 8 to verse 18 and read down, you will see how God explains this whole thing about the birth pains that's going on in the earth. This is just a birth pain. But God takes these things that are happening to let us know that he is working in and through all situations. And his purpose in working is to bring about our conformity to the image of Jesus Christ and to ultimately take us to glorification in heaven with himself. We know that in all things God works for good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? His purpose is his plan. God has a plan. Well, did God plan for this? No, but it didn't take him by surprise. And since we're part of God's plan, then the crisis that is enveloping your life will be used by your creator as a part of his purposeful plan for humanity. And you're wondering this morning, well, how in the world can that be? Well, you know, God used the crisis in Joseph's life so that the plan for the Israelites, the entire nation of Israel, would be fulfilled. In the case of Stephen's death in the book of Acts, God used Stephen's death as a part of his plan to spread the gospel throughout the Roman world. In the case of Paul's crisis in his personal life, it was a personal crisis. He had this thorn in the flesh. He kept praying and praying and praying, but God used it to keep him humble so that he would continue to establish churches all over the world. And just like God used the crisis of the, those in the Bible, he will use you and your crisis to bring about his purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God will see you through your crisis. God will see you through your crisis. And he will use you and your circumstances as a part of his purpose and plan to bring your salvation to completion and ultimately a future with him in eternity in heaven. That's why just about every Sunday I've quoted this verse, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 25, 15. My eyes are ever on the Lord. And this morning I want to quote it again. My eyes are ever on the Lord because he is in all things and he is working in and through all things because he loves you. And he wants to bring you to a place of conformity to the image of the Son and ultimately your glorification in heaven. There is an end result. I press on for the mark 
I don't look back anymore. I don't look back and go, well, I remember when I did this. I remember when God did that. No, I forget those things. I set those things aside and I look forward. I keep my eyes on the prize. I keep looking forward because I want to know that my, the end result is the completion of my salvation. That the good that God is working out through my circumstances is to conform me to Jesus Christ's image and to ultimately complete my salvation when I stand before him face to face in heaven. I hope this helps this morning. I hope this has touched your heart. I hope this has brought some understanding to a passage that can be really, really hurtful in people's lives when used uh, flippantly. But more than anything else, I hope that his has triggered something in your spirit to understand that even in times of difficulty, genuine, we can grow stronger because growing stronger means that we're conforming to the image of the Son and will result in our ultimate glorification in heaven. God bless you.